Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello there, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. I'm the author of these six books that can help you grow your dream business. I'm the creator of No Hassle Newsletters, the extraordinary done-for-you newsletter marketing program that has served over 1,200 small business owners in nine countries. But most importantly today, I'm the host of Dream Business Radio, now in its 10th year. This is episode 531. Wow, how about that? Uh, so welcome to a special live edition of Dream Business Radio. My guest is Kamini Wood. Kamini, how are you today? I am doing very well and excited to be here with you. Well, thanks. We we first met about a month ago, so it's interesting how, uh, boy, we were just saying how time flies when you're having fun and having a, a few holidays in there. That's right. But um, hey, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner who's tired of slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, and especially if you're interested in creating multiple streams of revenue in your business, then you want to be part of this extraordinary virtual mastermind group led by me, Captain Jim Palmer. Learn more at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. All right, let's jump right into my interview with Comedy, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She is a certified professional coach. She helps people take the courageous steps to identify their limiting beliefs, the reasons for their stagnation or feelings of not enoughness so they can have what they want professionally and personally to live a fulfilled life. Comedy is the creator of Authentic Me and CEO of Live Joy Your Way, a coaching company helping high performers and overachievers who have been who have seen success through old-rooted traditional metrics reestablish their re relational self-awareness. I learned how to read yesterday, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> You're doing great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which means she helps them understand how they think, what beliefs might be holding them back, etc. Her clients truly love if they truly live into self-acceptance, self-confidence, and leadership, trained in internal family systems, cognitive behavioral-based coaching. Come, you're going to need to rewrite some of this. These for big words, my goodness. Uh, as usual, I've been talking a lot today, so pardon me anyway. But um, anyway, welcome to Dream Business Radio. I, I apologize for that horrible introduction. No, you did great. You did great. I even teased you about the fact that you might have to cut it down. No, I, I, man, I felt like I was saying words in the Old Testament or something. Oh, that's funny. So I love comedy sharing the backgrounds and backstories of the entrepreneurs that come on Dream Business Radio because I hear all the time, love the strategies, love the tips, mindset tips, marketing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But they also really resonate with what my guests have gone through to get them to where they are now because so many people, you know, are on the spectrum just starting out or maybe have some hit some major milestones. So if you would just share a little bit more. I know you grew up in a small town in Connecticut, and then you moved to North Carolina. You married. You're the mom of five, so I have no idea how you even started a business at all. But fill in a little bit of, the, of your backstory, if you would. 
Sure. So I actually um, started off in the dot-com industry. I was a project manager and then f- and helped build this particular dot-com uh, business from the ground up. Uh, when we moved to North Carolina, my husband had an idea of starting his own law practice. Uh-huh. So I stepped in to manage and run and kind of wear all the hats at that firm, except for the attorney hat. <laughs> I let mm-hmm. him do that part. Um, but the part that really resonated with me was working with the employees. So the legal assistants, the paralegals, the other attorneys to help them figure out where they wanted to head professionally. And what would happen during that process was I was also learning about them personally. So what I have learned through my experience and then through my business as well is that all these things are intertwined, right? Professional and personal. So that's what I was doing for about 15, 15 years or so. Um, during that process, I was also doing my own self-work because part of my story and backstory is being somewhat of a people pleaser and a perfectionist. I'm a high achiever myself. Um, so I had to do my own inner work to understand where maybe my limiting beliefs and my false beliefs were holding me back. As I was doing that work and the professional work, what I realized was that my true calling was to work with individuals one-on-one and help them figure out what is holding them back. So I did make the courageous step and I'm going to say it was a courageous step to share with my husband that I was ready to step out onto my own, create my own business. Um, And it was courageous because I had spent years kind of in the background. And so for me, that was living into my best self and being as truthful to myself that I was ready to, to own what it was that I really wanted to do. So sort of, I've been a serial entrepreneur in some sense, because even in the dot-com world, it was building something from nothing. (laughs) And then we built the law firm and now I've been building my practice as well. And I, I don't know you very well at all, but I'm imagining it took courage to tell your husband after running his office for 15 years that you're you're going to be uh, sayonara, so to speak. It, it took a lot of courage, um, yeah. courage on both of our parts, honestly, because uh, he also had to believe that what we had set up was was enough for him to continue working should he choose to do that. Right. Um but it really was a courageous step for me and I, and and especially being a people pleaser. That was one of those moments where you sort of have to step out of your comfort zone and really lean into those values. And one of my values was and continues to be uh, helping others and building that sense of community. And so for me, I needed to lean into that. How old are your kids now? Uh, 21, 19, 16, 13, and 9. Oh, my gosh. So – Probably a lot like my wife, Stephanie, and I, people can't believe we have a 40-year-old son because <laughs> I'm looking at you and I'm going, wait, you've been in the, you've been working your husband's business 15 years. Are your kids like in daycare or what? So <laughs> what, so when you went to work and, and started helping your husband, and, and by the way, so was his practice brand new when he's- Brand new, brand new. Wow. So up. you kind of went together mm-hmm. to start his law firm. Mm-hmm. What, well, just curiosity, how old were your kids- Back then, I guess they were pretty young, right? They were young, elementary school and younger. Yeah. So we ended up having our fourth and fifth child while I was at the law firm. Wow. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Did he give you any uh, maternity leave? No. Actually, you know, it's really funny in hindsight, and I I work with a lot of parents. um, In hindsight, I should have given myself more maternity leave. That's the high achieving part of me where it was like, okay, I've had the baby. I can go back to work. Hindsight's 2020. Should have given myself a little more grace. Yeah. <laughs> Just wow. to be transparent. <laughs> well, you know, so many entrepreneurs have such a strong work ec- work ethic and a drive. If you felt up to it, you're like, I'm going back to work now, right? But 
Wow, that's something. And they came with us, came with me, right? You know, okay. So spent, like our youngest, um, she spent that first year with me at the, at the office each and every day. <laughs> wow. Does he want to be a lawyer now or does he not want to be a lawyer now? <laughs> it, to my husband's um, frustration, none of the kids want to be lawyers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So um, we in North Carolina. Or, did you say like Raleigh, I think? Right outside of Raleigh. Mm -hmm. Raleigh. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So quick question before I transition to your new. So how's the law practice going? It's going, um, he's enjoying, you know, he, he loves the law. And so mm -hmm. he's enjoying it tremendously. And, uh, you know, he, he's at that crossroads for himself too. What's, what's next. Do I continue doing this on my own or do I potentially work with others? Um, so he's, he, I think he's figuring it out, um, which is good. It allows him yeah. to really chart his own path. So I'm interested, um, something you said earlier, comedy, where you said I started, um, studying, you know, it, I don't know if you said human dynamics, but leadership and, and motivation, all this different stuff. And then mm -hmm. did was that because you felt you needed it in order to bring it to the office or as you were making yourself into a better kind of HR, for lack of a better description, then you realize, man, I could use some of this stuff myself. Chicken or egg, which came first? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I don't think I've ever really sat down to figure out which one came first because I feel like they kind of came simultaneously. Okay. Um, because personally, I was experiencing... I, I will say routinely with people that motherhood has been my biggest teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I was experiencing in my personal world, certain aspects of my children showing up with really um, high people pleasing and they, they're all high achievers. And through that, I was seeing myself mirrored back. So I was having this like internal perspective or this reflection of who I was and recognizing, wow, I've got some personal stuff that I want to work through in conjunction with wanting to truly show up as my best professional self and helping people. So it was almost like they kind of came. It was amazing how it kind of all came together. To yeah. Did you, did you surprise yourself how good you were at your job? And was that like, was that a motivating factor to go out on your own? Honestly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, see how intuitive I am? <laughs> I, I don't think that I really thought of myself that way. And then I started working with individuals and I was like, and they were just having these huge insights and they were making huge shifts. And I realized, oh, I think I might actually have a knack for this. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so cool. Um, so the, did you have any, uh, were your parents or grandparents, was there any entrepreneurial genes in, in, in your family history or not? Or are you the first? Well, your I, husband, I guess, is technically an entrepreneur. He started his own practice. Right. From my family of origin, uh, my parents were immigrants from India to the U.S. And mm -hmm. so they always worked for other people, um, but they were extraordinarily hard workers. Um, work ethic was was huge for them, as well as work performance. Right. Um, and then, you know, my grandparents on my mom's side, my mom, my grandmother was a doctor and my grandfather was a diplomat for India. Um, and then my dad's side, my grandparents were, um, just, they were workers, they were employees. Uh, so I, I, I'm not exactly sure where the spirit came from. Wow. <laughs> Maybe it's my need to control. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to be Mr. Intuitive again. At some point you were probably guiding one of the paralegals or something. And they said, Josh, you're so good at this. Thank you for helping me. That probably was some, that was probably one of the sparks I, I'm, I'm guessing. I, I would say you're you're dead on with that. I mean, just again, having 
when you work with individuals on such a personal level, and then they're able, not only are you witnessing their insights and their growth, but then they're reflecting that back to you. That was a mm-hmm. huge, a huge boost in, in my ability to see uh, um, what I was able to open up for people by me just showing up as me. I didn't have to do anything special. Right. So you're a, a certified professional coach. I know you got certifications in a lot of different areas. Is there, what do you say your specialty is? I mean, um, helping underachievers, identifying, you know, imposter syndrome, like, is there certain areas that you like to focus on? I love to focus on helping people understand where those false beliefs are holding them back um, because I do work with a lot of high achievers and, and a lot of times with high achieving high achievers, there are still these false beliefs that are hanging out in the background that if we can bring them to the surface and bring them to the awareness, then they can make the, take the committed action to shift. Uh, I, I love talking with my clients and working with my clients on self-compassion because again, high achievers have a really hard time being compassionate with themselves and then said the inner critic takes over. So those are two of the areas that I spend a lot of time with my clients on. So I want to dig deep a little bit on self-compassion, but before mm-hmm. I go there, um, it's interesting to me that when I talk to um, folks about mindset and I do my own mindset with my own coach, if you can't be a coach, unless you do know some mindset stuff, but it, I was always amazed at how, um, how the mindset, even when you achieve success, whether you hit your first six figures, you know, maybe you're doing half a million, maybe you're doing a million, my largest client did 34 million. And even those type of clients have some sort of self-sabotage or imposter syndrome. That was like a huge eye opener for me when I talked to that person and they're like, Jim, I don't think this, but I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. So um, talk about that first, you know, the, I guess let's talk about the imposter syndrome and how these Mm -hmm. limiting beliefs manifest themselves because even as you and I talk, we're using terms like high achievers. So it's almost like, Mm -hmm. how is it possible that you're a high achiever yet (laughs) you have these thoughts? Well, I routinely will say that imposter syndrome is actually a misfire in the brain. Really what's happening at that point in time is you're stepping out into something that's in your growth zone. So you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. And when that happens, the brain will play those tricks where it gets misfired as I can't do this. I'm a fraud. I'm not capable of this. When Mm. in fact, it's really you're stepping into that growth zone and you're stepping into a place of of uncertainty. Uh, and, And that's why high achievers do have this because what you were just saying, somebody could make $34 million and still have that uh, either I'm going to get found out. I'm going to, I'm not sure that I can continue this or what they're going to the next level. And then the self-doubt creeps in. And it's because when you are continuing to set those goals and move forward, there's going to be this moment that pops in that could get misfired as I'm, I'm not capable of doing this. And instead it's actually just, this is new and I have to commit to an action to move myself forward. So I know it's only a half an hour show, so it's probably unfair of me to ask this, but how do you, when you initially, and again, probably diagnosis is the wrong thing, but when you discover somebody has these limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. what are some of the steps that you initially engage them in? Well, one of the very first things that we always talk about are what somebody's core values are, because okay. I really, truly believe that core values are the, the guiding light and the guidepost for each of us as individuals. So when, when we start bringing these false beliefs to the awareness Awareness is that doorway to change. So once we're at that doorway, we get to decide what we're going to do with this information. And, and if we're ready to walk through that doorway and to shift, it's how do I commit and how do I make those take those committed actions? 
dive back into your value system. So we can say, you know, we can recognize maybe a false belief of I'm not good enough. We notice it. We allow the thought to be there. But then the place of present day using mindfulness techniques and saying, I'm in this moment here and now I'm going to connect with myself. And these are my my values. What would be meaningful for me to continue to move myself forward? And I think you sort of alluded to this before we even went live about sometimes you just have to you have to continue to take the action. You have to continue to to step forward. If those steps are or aligned with your value system, it's going to be meaningful. And so you're going to continue moving forward on, on your journey. So you say core values. And to me, I think, well, not to use nautical language, because that's who I am, but that's like the anchor, right? Your core values yes. are the anchor. Yes. And so yes. when people feel like they're going astray or floating yep. away to keep my nautical theme, I can't help it. You bring them back to their core values and that helps them overcome those thoughts, which are sort of pushing them away. Is that my clumsy way of describing what you do. It's a beautiful way of describing it. And, <laughs> and really when we think of an anchor too, like we'll, we'll drop anchor when a storm is coming in yeah. and the anchor doesn't keep the storm from happening, but the anchor keeps us from continuing to, to con wow. move out. Right. And that's really what we're doing there. I might have to steal that for my next book. That's pretty brilliant. <laughs> okay. Um, so what is self-compassion and, and how does it help somebody become a high achiever or become a higher achiever? Higher achiever. So self-compassion, Kristen Neff is the lead lead researcher on, on, on self-compassion. There's three elements to it. It's kindness over, uh, I'm sorry, kindness over judgment, right? That's mm -hmm. number one. The second uh, pillar, of course, is uh, common humanity. And the third is mindfulness. So let's just take that first one. Uh, when something doesn't go the way that we expect it to go, it's leaning into kindness. How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? What can I take away from this experience versus judgment of self? And that's really important because when we judge ourselves, we are putting ourselves in a box and there's nowhere else to go versus when we ask and get curious and say, how can I, how can I learn from this? Or how can I grow through this experience? Now we're opening ourselves up to what's possible. We can take that information and move forward. That second pillar of common humanity is so important for high achievers and people who want to become higher achievers or just entrepreneurs in general, because mm -hmm. when we are faced with a challenge, it is so easily to feel isolated and, and feel like this is only happening to me and nobody else understands. And it's recognizing that others have had similar experiences. They're not going to be exactly the same because each of us experience things differently. So our reality is ours. However, we can lean on other people to share their common experiences with us and take information from that and also lean on that to move ourselves forward. And then that third pillar, pillar is mindfulness, which is being in this present moment. It is so easy. I think, again, being an entrepreneur myself, we can get really caught up in what didn't happen, right? We, we made a decision and then something didn't end the way we wanted it to. So we ruminate over the past or we start really becoming anxious about the future. If I make this decision, then will this happen? Will this happen? Will this happen? So now we're future tripping. Self-compassion calls us into being in this moment here and now and recognizing that we're going to make the decision for ourselves here and now with the information that we have here and now and trust ourselves that as we move forward, we will continue to face whatever challenges come our way. So I'm not sure if you've seen this uh, type of interview before, but if I'm looking down writing, it means you're speaking brilliance. And I'm like, I'm as mesmerized as I'm sure my audience is. So um, you know how people talk about, no, it's not failures, they're lessons, right? Yeah. So when you talk like kindness and not judgment, is that is that sort of the same thing? 
don't be so judgmental about the outcome. Be kind to yourself. Is, is that what you mean? It's recognizing that it it really means uh, noticing when the inner critic comes up, when okay. we're telling ourselves we're stupid, we're wrong, we're bad, we're whatever. Noticing it. I mean, if we sit there and say, don't do it, don't do it. We're just putting more energy into the thing that we're trying not to do. <laughs> mm. So instead it's noticing it and then taking a breath, becoming mindful, coming back into this present moment, and then seeing how we can offer ourselves the same kindness that we most probably would offer a friend, a colleague, a loved one, a child, give ourselves that same kindness, ask ourselves that question. What can I take away from this experience? Wow. What did I learn from this experience? And, you know, I, I I will say that I've tried to move away from the term mistake and okay. just and, and rename it an outcome that I didn't anticipate or an outcome that I'm not super excited about <laughs> Okay, because it gives us room to say, yeah, it's an outcome. I can come to this place of acceptance. And also I can now from this place and with this information I have, choose how I want to move forward. So. I mean, in a way, what we're doing is we're sort of tricking the brain, right? The normal tape that's playing up there. Well, probably not a tape today. It would be, a, well, it wouldn't even be a CD. I don't know what it is today, but it's tricking. <laughs> streaming. I got a streaming, lot of white in my face. Right, so it's right. probably the 45 <laughs> that's playing up there, right? Um, but it's really um, just re it's reprogramming the language we use yeah. to make out, to make certain outcomes okay. You know, I remember. Um, I talked earlier, maybe it was right before we went on, but you know, about the whole money mindset. That's one mm -hmm. thing that trips up a lot of people. So very early on when I got started, I, I really had some serious credit card debt and it really bothered me because I was brought up to believe credit card debt, bad, bad. Mm -hmm, but then, mm -hmm. you know, I kept looking to get loans so I could pay it off. And, mm -hmm. and a, a mentor finally said, you're trying to get a loan and you've already got loans from banks. It just happens to be on a credit card statement, but right. that bank loaned you money. So, you know, stop. And it was just one of those little things. It was like reprogramming how I viewed things. It, mm -hmm. it, literally, I had the same outcome. I stopped thinking about that, started focusing on growth and, and paid it all off. Right. So right. Right. That's what we have to do sometimes. It is. Sometimes it's about the language we use. Sometimes it's reframing and it's recognizing we can, if we open ourselves up to look at it differently, mm -hmm. right? We just, it's like, um, gosh, like when you're doing a Rubik's cube and like you get stuck and then you turn, you turn the Rubik's cube to like work on a different area. Suddenly it's the light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you said a term earlier, by the way, I'm, I'm just so impressed with you, comedy. You said future tripping. Is that good or bad? Is that, is that like just projecting yourself good or bad or, or, or is it both? Oh, so I use future tripping as when we start worrying about the future, trying oh, to come okay. up with, with answers and, and what's going to happen and let me figure that out. So future tripping is we've got rumination of the past or we've got future tripping, worrying about what's going to happen in the future and how I'm going to handle it. And so when is, we're talking about mindfulness, it's about being in the Okay. Is there a good version of future tripping when you're projecting how beautiful the outcomes are going to be? You know, I think there can be. I think when we are visualizing, you know, when, we, when we're setting out to say, okay, these are my intentions. Like, for instance, um, people who put out vision boards. Yeah, that's actually a great way. It's it's a version of future tripping, but it's a positive way of uh, future tripping. It's putting out these intentions and putting out the, um, not just the intention, but then taking action to manifest that. That mm. would be an example of maybe good future tripping or I hate to use the word good and bad. I, I try to stay away from that, but it's positive or maybe intentional future tripping. Um, the future tripping that can hold us back, though, is when we start to worry and fret and become anxious about what's yeah. going to happen in the future. Very interesting.
Um, I want to share a story, but I, I, I don't want to talk anymore. I want people to hear you. So um, let's focus on imposter syndrome and like um, self-doubt. How do those two things contribute to stagnation? It's probably fairly apparent, but you're, you're brilliant. Yeah. So give me a brilliant answer. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, I relate imposter syndrome and self-doubt to um, really leaning into the, the fear of failure or just fear in general. And okay. so that absolutely keeps us from moving forward because fear is the thing. If we think that we're going to fail or we are fearing uh, maybe embarrassment or fear, fearing uh, abandonment or fearing alienation, mm. all of those fears will lie underneath and can be found with that self-doubt and, and, and uh, imposter syndrome, which then keeps us from moving forward. And that causes inaction, which then is that yes. equates to stagnation. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's when we just sit in, in paralysis, right? And we don't, we don't actually choose to move forward. We, do, we, we take no action. Um, and, you know, so because that, again, that's the thing with failure. Um, you know, I my oldest daughter is a professional ballerina, and my second oldest plays Division One sports as of right now. And you know, I'll share that there have been moments where they have definitely um, tried something and it hasn't worked out, and and they have to do a lot of that inner work to recognize that it's that quote unquote failure. There was something yeah. in it that they can take with them in order to continue moving forward. And while those moments don't feel good right? They, they just, we, we have to come to this place of accepting that there'll, there'll be things that we're going to try and they may not work out the way that we want. They don't feel good, but we can always take something from it because as mm -hmm. humans, we are truly growing and evolving. Like that's, wow. we're constantly doing that. I, I totally believe that fear is really at the root, you know, of imposter syndrome, et cetera. But there's another word and I know you're familiar with it, and it's shame. Mm -hmm. So fear could be uh, internalized. Like I, I fear mm -hmm. this is not going to go well. Yeah. But if you kind of peel the onion back, if it doesn't go well, I'm going to be shamed in front of my family, friends, et cetera. Yes. So they yes. do go hand in hand. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Definitely. And I do think that um, also people who are carrying shame, we will also see uh, self-doubt and imposter, right? So let's say that they had an experience when they were younger and there was an element of, of feeling shamed and like there's something wrong with me that is going to lead into these self-doubts. And so the, the ability and the desire to step outside of the comfort zone doesn't exist. Yeah. How does someone, well, this, entrepreneurs for the most part, listen and, and watch Dream Business Radio. How can entrepreneurs be more mindful of the thoughts that they have so they either stay away from negativity or they realize they're in the little negative cesspool? How do they get out of that? Big question, right? <laughs> uh, honestly, I would, it, it, is, it is, and I'm wondering, well, how do you hear what you're saying? How do you do it? It really does be, it starts with a practice of mindfulness, which I know a lot of people are, they think that it's woo woo or it's maybe some type of a religion. Mindfulness is not any of that. It's just training ourselves to be in the present moment rather mm -hmm. than, again, ruminating over the past. But really what it comes down to is a place of acceptance acceptance of the thought that you're having, noticing it and actually telling yourself, I'm noticing, saying to yourself, I'm noticing I'm having the thought that and really naming it. Because if we try to run away from the thought, it's just going to come back up. So instead, yeah. 
accept that it's there, notice it. And then, and I said this before, it's about then taking action, engaging in action that is aligned with your values or what is of meaning to you, because that's your choice point. When you notice the thought, you're separating yourself from the thought. And that gives you enough space to then say, well, now I have an ownership of this choice point. Do I lean into this thought? And do I jump into the negative thought spiral? Or do I give myself permission to engage in an activity that would actually have value for me personally? Wow. That's really great. Um, I got time for one more question I want to squeeze in. And I think I told you right before we went live. So if anybody wants to go see the post, we're recording this on January 11th. And I wrote this thing this morning. Sometimes I just get up and I feel led to write. And it's just stream of conscience comes out and it becomes way more than a meme. It actually becomes a blog post. But I posted it and I was referring to the old, really, really a long time ago in my career. I was doing okay, but I felt like Maybe um, I was only taking baby steps and not the big steps that I, I knew would bring me to the type of success that I wanted. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what I recognized with some help was that um, I was carrying some guilt for, for at, at that point, I'd been an entrepreneur for maybe seven or eight years. And I was carrying some guilt that I'm, I'm passing up opportunities to grow bigger, fast or whatever, because mm -hmm. of certain fears that I had, trepidations I had about spending more money, investing more money, all that different stuff. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had to uh, uh, forgive myself because I I shared with you that I saw this uh, video and it said so many people, when they get to, to the end end days of their life, they look back with regret for the things they, not, not the things they did, but the things they didn't do. Mm -hmm. And he said, from this day on, you can't change the past, but from this day on, you can create a new future. And that to me was like, Oh, so I can't, so just forgive that. And mm -hmm. now let's go boldly. So it's a very long question I know, but how does somebody release themselves from either guilt or, you know, feelings of, uh, remorse, I guess, for, for not playing as a big a game as you could. Well, a couple things. One is, uh, part of it is recognizing that we're, we're, if we don't release and we stay attached to what happened in the past, we are actually, again, putting ourselves in this box. We're not being, we are attached to something that already happened and we can't undo it. Mm. And so that's, that's part of it. The other part of it is coming to a place. Guilt is I've done something wrong. So go ahead and make amends to yourself and say, yeah, I, you know what? I made certain choices in the past that maybe today with today's information, maybe I'd make a different choice. But at that time, I didn't have that information. So I did the best I could. And now yeah. I'm here. I'm here. And what do I choose to do for myself today? And then tomorrow, give myself permission to make tomorrow's choice tomorrow and, and one step in front of the other. Um, because the truth is we can't go undo the past, but we really have the here and now and how we choose to show up. For ourselves here. So uh, that was obviously my in my business life, but in my personal life, you know, I related it to you know in my own faith journey. I heard that years ago. I heard that uh, forgiveness is more for you than it is for the person you're forgiving, mm -hmm. and and that's when that came full circle for yeah. me. Right? It yeah. was just like I got to yeah. forgive myself. Yes. For. I won't yes. say what I called myself in my own mind for being, a, you know, what a wuss or whatever. Um, and I'm going to start playing that bigger game now. And it was very, it was very relieving. And, and it, it was actually a turning point for me. It, it you know, it, I fully believe that forgiveness of self is where it, it's where it's at. Right. I mean, yes, we can forgive others, but truly at the end of the day, that really is for ourselves. And so forgiving ourselves, recognizing, naming what we perceive we might have done wrong, what we learned from the situation, again, an element of self-compassion and working yeah. through that, we open ourselves up to then continue to move forward. 
I, I knew I was going to love this interview, Comedy. Thank you so much. I would love to get you back, you know, maybe in a couple months or so. I feel like we've just scratched the surface and you truly are brilliant at, at the whole mindset stuff. So thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but I would, so I'm going to ask you to um, share your contact information. You, you do have a great website. I, I was looking at your blog, which is one of the first places I go to do research when I'm going to interview someone. Um, so, but before you do that, I'm going to ask my readers and listeners, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're watching this on Facebook or LinkedIn, wherever you're watching or listening to it on my blog in about a month's time, I mean, uh, my podcast in a month's time, please share a comment and, and, you know, give comedy some virtual uh, praise because it was a fantastic interview. Okay. Now, how would you like people to connect with you? <laughs> I am my website, comedywood.com. And then I'm also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Pinterest with the handle it's authentic me. And comedy is K A M I N I and wood is W O O D. So that's, that's pretty easy. What a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for being my uh, guest comedy. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with, with Comedy Wood. And I highly recommend you connect with her, follow her, and learn from her. She is the real deal. And honestly, um, so when I'm doing these live shows, I always book like a half an hour the, the morning of the show that I'm doing. And um, and I go and research because I, believe it or not, do want to sound semi-intelligent when I'm doing this. And um, and I was just like, oh, I cannot wait for this interview. And and now you know why. Anyway, so you can connect with her at comedywood.com. You can connect with me, should you decide to do so, at getjimpalmer.com. Again, if you're interested in joining me and about 27 other smart entrepreneurs, check out my Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program at dreambizcoaching.com. Remember, part of my legacy building program, you can get all six of my Dream Business books in the digital format. So that's uh, as Kindles at Amazon. Nook books at Barnes and Noble, and they also in the they are also in the iBook store, totally free. No opt in, no nothing. It's just my way to help educate more people and still only work three days a week. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.